0: Log Talk Radio.
1: Good evening, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to the 627th edition of the Feuerstein's Fire American Soccer Show. I'm your host, Daniel Feuerstein. I'll give you American perspective, our clubs, leagues, players, national team, and other fabulous moments. Get your daily reading from me and other writers over at Beyond the 90 at beyondthe90.substack.com. And, of course, locally on the New York Red Bulls at Red Bull News Network. Come on in. Chat room is open. Discuss amongst yourselves if you like. If you have a question for me, I'll try to answer it to the best of my abilities. And as the 2024 Major League Soccer season is underway and roaring to go, of course, we all know Lionel Messi will be with MLS now for a full season. He'll Give or take a couple of times he'll miss out playing for Argentina uh, for friendlies, World Cup qualifiers, and of course the Copa America that's coming uh, this summer in June. Uh, So it should be exciting. It should be a lot of fun. But obviously, the start of the season is not good. And when I say it's not good, I mean that we don't have our regular officials adjudicating the laws of the game. We do not have our regular referees. We do not have our assistants on the far side or near side. We do not have our fourth official. We do not have the regulars that are also at the VAR room in Atlanta, Georgia. Major League Soccer right now, currently in a PR nightmare. Whether you rather agree with that or not, it's up to you. But the truth is, they don't care. Why do they not care? Because they're going to go with the way they want to go because they think it's the right way. Even though they are in the wrong by, one, not paying our officials what they are worth, and secondly, secondly, of course, the situation with the U.S. Open Cup. That, my friends, has been a travesty all on its own as well. And I was supposed to talk about it last week. Unfortunately, uh, we had some technical issues, so I could not do the show last week. So we had to do – Carter Krishnar and I had to do it uh, as a Twitter space. But still though, what is going on here is just absolutely terrible absolutely terrible the referees the assistant referees and the fourth officials which are also referees they do a lot of hard work and they train a lot too they gotta do the running they gotta do the exercises they have to do a lot of studying they must they must learn the laws of the game from the first page all the way to the last page and to make sure that these people are on their game and they should be paid what they should be worth, to be honest. I mean, look, we all understand why, why we yell at the referees because we all like to think they are either uh, in the wrong 95% of the time but the truth is, is this, is that every single day they learn their craft. And if they did make a mistake, I mean, they'll never admit it, but to us, of course. But, you know, look, I think they talk to each other all the time. And while pro is the arm of Major League Soccer that handles all the referees, the truth of the matter is this. I think it's time for you as soccer to finally come back And take over the referee situation on their own. I think it's time for U.S. soccer to say, you know, maybe we've been a little hasty here. Because even though MLS handles with their pro-referee division what goes on not only in their own league, but also the NWSL and the United Soccer Leagues and other leagues as well that are under their tutelage, the truth of the matter is this. I think it's time for everyone to just basically dial it back, go back to U.S. soccer running this, and let them pay the referees for what they are truly worth. Because that, my friends, is really where it should be from start to finish. Major League Soccer has been slowly but surely taking over anything and everything from the U.S. Soccer Federation ever since Soccer United Marketing came into play. They have been taking and taking and taking and with the entire U.S. Open Cup situation now on the line, they think they can do whatever they want. And now it's time for U.S. soccer stand on their own two feet again and tell MLS, no, we are taking back what we should be governing from the beginning. I'll be honest with you. U.S. soccer has been a mess. U.S. soccer has been a mess for a very, very long time until recently under Cindy Parlow cone and J.T. Batson. And now, these two are changing things and putting more emphasis on the federation to actually run like a regular federation. Now, the truth is, Everything that's going on between MLS and the U.S. Soccer Federation, it's a war. It is a power struggle. Make no mistake about it. The MLS owners, along with Don Garber, who is still a member of the board of directors at U.S. Soccer, they must now separate. They must separate their powers they must separate everything involving american soccer matters m l s can worry about m l s but when it comes to competitions within u s soccer as a whole, that's where m l s must be told you cannot do this ever again m l s must be told you want your Division one sanctioning for your league, you want your Division Three sanctioning for MLS Next Pro, well, unless you stop and basically cease this offense between both the Open Cup and the referees and all of our officials, don't force us to take away your sanctioning as a Division One league. Do not force us to take away your sanctioning for your MLS Next Pro as a Division Three league. This is where I stress big time, big because everyone knows, everywhere around the world, the leagues concentrate on their own business. But when it comes to an, you know. Not so much an internal matter, but when everything is under the umbrella of the FA or the U.S. Soccer Federation, that sort of situation. Just like in England, when everything is under the perusal of the FA when it comes to certain competitions, then the leagues cannot interfere. And that's what we have here, folks. Leagues interfering. Interfering. They cannot interfere. Absolutely not. And all I can say is, is that this situation has really been terrible. Absolutely terrible. And until things get righted, And hopefully soon, because we already have one week in the books. Round one of MLS is in the books. Once that is now in the books, let's hope for a resolve with the officials in MLS through Pro. USL is already fine where they are. NWSL is fine where they are. But right now, this is a big, big issue. This is a big, big issue that needs to be remedied. And until it is, until it is, then we're going to have more than one season or one week, I should say, or one round. Maybe even past two rounds since the last time in 2014. It's time For Major League Soccer to put their mouth or put their money where their mouth is, I should say. Listen, I want Major League Soccer to succeed. Don't get me wrong here. I want everyone to understand where I'm coming from here. I want Major League Soccer to succeed. I do because I want the game to succeed not just MLS, but I also want USL to succeed, I want NISA to succeed, I want NPSL, and all the amateur leagues underneath to succeed. But The problem is we have too many chiefs and not enough Indians. And basically that means everyone is fighting against everyone. And that's why the NASL lawsuit is still hanging over the heads of U.S. soccer. And that is why we still have problems with everybody here in American soccer. To see all of this happen in front of our eyes is just disgrace. Disgrace. And no matter how many times I try to be positive about the situation, I'm still sad. And I know what you're going to say, well, you should just give up on MLS and you should just say goodbye and just you know, root for a support you – know, root or support for a club that's in you know, the lower levels. Now, I can do that if I wanted to. I could, but I can't. Because of all the blood, sweat and tears that I've dedicated myself to the club that I support that started in nineteen ninety six at Giant Stadium and then moved to Red Bull Arena, I cannot distance myself from that. That does not mean that I despise the United Soccer Leagues, does not mean I despise NISA or MPSL or the amateur leagues. I don't. Because the truth is I would like for some form of normalcy one day to come here to American Soccer. My issue is we should all be for the game as a whole, not just in one section. You can still root for your club. You can still support the league that your club is in, but we must be whole And I've kept saying this over and over and over again. I've said this about many, many things because if we all – you know, we got to stay together. Either we all walk together or together we must stay where we are. And even though staying where we are is right now getting very bleak, I'll admit to that. And yes, this is Major League Soccer's doing. But the truth of the matter is this. They are not the U.S. Soccer Federation, and they are not CONCACAF. They are just MLS. They are trying to run the game themselves, and they cannot. That's why there are different layers to everything. Domestic League, domestic cup competitions, international cup competitions – This is how it's always been, this is how it's always going to be, and this is how it must stay. If it does not stay the way it should be, we are in trouble. We are in big, big trouble. And all I want, all I want is for all of us to be all on the same page. Because I'm telling you right now, folks, if we're not on the same page, it's all gone. Ladies and gentlemen, I have got a great show for you tonight. Tonight, we will talk to a member of the union of our officials, a member of PSRA. He is a referee for the PSRA. This is Mr. Guido Gonzalez Jr. joining us tonight. Guido, good evening and how are you, sir?
2: Yeah, doing well. Hey, how are you doing tonight?
1: I'm doing very well and thank you for joining me. So, we have already seen in the books one round of MLS matches being officiated by replacement referees. And for the audience out there, just please give us your thoughts about how this has impacted you, your official, your, your fellow officials, and how disappointed are you that you're not at an MLS soccer stadium this past weekend?
2: Oh, uh, so, so many feelings. And, uh, I know that I can, i speak for myself, but I do know that, that most of the colleagues that I've, uh, been in contact and, and regularly communicating with, uh, share a lot of the same feelings. Um, as you guys know, we, we've, all, we've all been locked out, uh, so for a large chunk of us, this means we're, we're kind of sitting at home uh, with a lot of unknown. Uh, you know, most of us just focusing on staying, trying to find ways to stay busy, stay training, stay motivated for when the time comes to, to get through this agreement, uh, we're ready to go and, and hit the ground running. Um, as far as this weekend is concerned, and it, to me, it was, just, it was just a very, very sad feeling uh, knowing that I was supposed to get on a plane. I was supposed to get to the city I was going to work in. Um, I was supposed to go through the 90 minutes and, and just seeing people uh, that are out there, um, you know, serving the game still. However, you know, not mm-hmm. most of these people don't. Don't put in the time, the sacrifice, the effort, the hours, the years that most of our group has as a, as professional referees. So, again, uh, just it's kind of disappointment and, and, and sadness from, from missing out on the action.
1: No, and I don't blame you at all, and I feel bad for you and all the officials that have worked for the longest of times, uh, you know, officiating Major League Soccer games, obviously. Uh, also involving yourselves in the Open Cup whenever you get that assignment. Um, does this also mean you're not available to officiate any CONCACAF <laughs> Champions Cup matches flying uh, to other countries within the region? I don't
2: know. One thing to to kind of understand, the the colleagues of mine that, that do work in international tournaments, whether it's CONCACAF, whether it's FIFA tournaments, I know some of our guys go, are invited to Saudi Arabia from time to time. Um, those are all our international panel referees. It is, it is a, a small portion of the entire group when you look at the entire uh, referee roster. Uh, and those guys continue with their international appointments as it is separate from MLS. It's separate from, uh, from, from anything that, that pro has to do. So they, they continue on with, 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 with those assignments as
1: well. Okay. Well, thank you very much for the information. Just wanted to make sure that was uh, clarified. When the strike – well, excuse me, I should say when the lockout started and uh, some of your uh, colleagues went to Manhattan uh, in New York City to protest in front of the, uh, the office building where Major League Soccer's headquarters were, How proud were you or, or, or how, you know, important was it that everyone holds up their uh, yellow cards and red cards that they made uh, to say, you know, pay the refs and, and pay the officials and to see uh, all your colleagues, you know, standing up and just telling major league soccer, how you stand and, and how you feel about this situation.
2: Yeah. Oh, it's, it's been great. Um, I, it is my first time uh, partaking in, in, in something like that. As far as the picketing goes, I was put as the uh, picketing captain for New York City as I'm one of the local referees. Um, but it has been incredible to see the, the amount of support, um, not only from, from the colleagues. We have referees that have traveled across the country to make sure that they're here, to help uh, make sure that, that the public hears us. Um, but what, what has been more motivating... It's the level of support that we're getting from the people that are not in MLS. Uh, There's a ton of support from local referees. There's been even referees that are here for other business visiting um, that have taken a little bit of their time out to to stand there with us to put up the signs, to make sure that New York City uh, hears us. Uh, The local, you know, it's been great to get in front of the local media. Again, you know, whatever we can do, just like you guys having me on the show uh, to to help spread the word, to help just help us be heard as a group. It's been absolutely amazing. And it has brought us, I think, a little bit closer together because uh, this is a difficult, a very, very difficult time, like I expressed um, after watching the game this past weekend uh, for all of us. But just leaning on one another and, 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 you know, preaching what we have to to preach uh, out loud together has been a really, really strong uh, bonding moment with with all referees.
1: Absolutely, and just out of curiosity, have you gotten any support from the other referees, you know, the umpires' uh, union of Major League Baseball, the NBA, the NHL, the NFL? Have they come to join you in in your protest as well? No, we, we well some of those guys are still active right now. We haven't we haven't uh, haven't
2: seen any any of them physically there. I know that there have been messages and posts uh, on social media. Uh, I know that there have been associations from around other countries and around the world that have uh, pledged their support and solidarity with us. Uh, but as far as other other sport referee unions out there with us, I, we haven't seen. Uh, what we have seen is a lot of uh, uh, several different different uh, teamsters uh, local Teamsters unions from from New York, around the New York City area that have come out in, in person uh, to
1: help support
2: and, and and spread our word.
1: If I can ask you this, can you please inform the audience what do you do to prepare yourself to travel? Uh, to get to an MLS stadium, uh, not just physically, but mental preparation as well, uh, traveling, preparing on the day of the match, after the match is over with, and even during the downtime before your next assignment. What does that entail? For the audience, please.
2: Oh, yes. Uh, so we do, we just came up from a really busy preseason. Um, our preseason, just the month leading into into the start of the MLS season, has been ton of uh, there was new regulations that haven't been able to roll, been rolled out yet uh, just making sure that we were on top and sharp with uh, the new substitution rule the new injury rule that the league wants us to impose uh, there is a large part of our preseason camp that is uh, strictly focused on uh, general messaging uh, when it comes to penalty area incidents and ball management of head injuries Uh, we always get uh, updates and general messaging for medical how how the league wants us to handle certain medical injury situations there's a big big focus on head injuries around the world so they want to make sure that that, you know we have all the information that's available out there to make sure that we as the officials on the field uh, deal with these uh, instances appropriately uh, and efficiently um so aside from that, uh, this is all while we're doing daily daily fit, fitness training. We are all uh, all the full-time referees and, and the part-time referees that uh, select to do so, which I, I would think is a majority of the part-time referees, our assistants, uh, are part of the sports science program. Sports science program uh, requires that we log all of our personal heart rate data for when we train. Uh, They do provide us with, you know, Apple products, the phone, the watch, to make sure that uh, we have personalized apps that have all of our exercises from day to day. Um, One day it will be strength. One day it will be explosive training. Another day it will be endurance training. Another day it will be longer high-intensity training uh, to make sure that we're emulating and also building the body and the foundation for uh, a successful and productive season without injury. Uh, so this this sports science program is is pretty much tailored to each individual for the entire season. So once the season begins, right, leading up to a week to the week, I focus in the morning three to four hours uh, on fitness. Then I'll come home, lunch, then we, we sit down and I do a lot of clip analysis. Right. This is this to us as referees is the most useful tool that we have. There's clips of situations that happen in games in our league and around the world uh, in which we get clear direction from and from, from FIFA, as to what the decision would be, uh, what considerations to use when we're making our decisions, when we're analyzing situations. Uh, this is an ongoing referee training that happens from week to week the entire year. Uh, you talk to any referee. Any referee, when they're not on the field, they're watching clips. They're watching videos of situations. Right. If you look at any, any, ref, any serious referee's uh, text message, it's going to be 95% of conversations with other referees asking, hey, what do you think about this red card? What do you think about this penalty kick? Oh, referee missed one here. Referee got this right. Wow, the referee's moving really well here. Right. This is what our referee analysis is like. This is what our referee... Uh, casual and serious conversations can be like. Um, then, uh, once the season goes, we get brought in together once a month uh, for about a week, and during that time, we focus on situations that have occurred in the previous uh, match days leading up to that camp. So we'll go over two three weeks of key uh, incidents where uh, management will, will will put out clips. will open the table for discussion. Um, sometimes those discussions are are pretty straightforward, but the the really good ones, the ones that we learn for the best, is, is the ones that create uh, different opinions and uh, a lot of back and forth between management, between referees. We're not we don't always agree on everything, but this is the beauty of our game. You know, we all we all watch this uh, through different eyes, with different perspectives, with different feelings about situations. But we're all in the same room to 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 hash it yep. up, to make sure that when we leave that room, uh, we take this as a, an entire referee group onto the field and try to apply uh, the considerations and the decision-making as consistently as possible. Even though it's not always going to be perfect, because every referee, we tro- they try their best to make sure we have good general messaging to apply onto uh, match days. So, yeah, and no, then, absolutely. Uh, we got local. Yeah, and then, and then our travel... Uh, you know, from on a camp week, I'll be gone Tuesday to Friday at camp, and then on Friday we all depart to our venue cities. The night before the game, referee the game. It's usually uh, too late to get on a flight back home, so we have to fly the next day. So I was I was away from home from Tuesday to Sunday. Uh, enjoy Sundays with my family. It's usually the time you know, our downtime, our recovery day, uh, and then back to it on Monday morning. You know whether back with the exercise program, back to to another game. Sometimes we have midweek games, so we will get 48 hours at home and it's time to get on the road again. Uh, But uh, that's that's pretty much the life of, of an
1: MLS referee. Absolutely, and um, I mean, like I was trying to say. I mean, you know, you guys have to travel all the time uh, just to get to your uh, your games that you're scheduled to go to, whichever city you have to get to. Um, you were you were on a podcast with me earlier in the week and talking about you know you're from Atlanta. Uh, how many times? do you have to travel? Because we don't know how vast and big our country is. How many times a year do you have to travel from the East Coast to the West Coast? Or, you know, if you have to go somewhere centrally, like maybe Houston or Dallas or Minnesota, Kansas City, what what does that entail for you? Yeah, so so that's actually one
2: one of the the things that us as a group, as a union, kind of try to bring forward to the table that our, our travel schedule because of the size of a country and the size of the league and how the teams are spread out. Uh, is not very easy to get around. Um, I'm on, I live in New, New Jersey now, so I, I can say that more than half of my matches last year, uh, required travel into different time zones West. All right. I, I went to, I, I can tell you, I went to Los Angeles at least four times last year. I went to Salt Lake, I've been to Minnesota. I've been to Vancouver. all right? some of these places are are five, between five and six hour flights for me. All right, that that over time, and over the amount of of physical activity that we're putting for takes a, a huge toll on the on the mind and the body. Um, so there's no what we what we call regionalization of refereeing. No, it's 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 based on management has, has I'm sure has a, has a Process. Uh, they, they try to track this, uh, but, again, the needs of, of them and their officials uh, vary from time to time. So there's no telling uh, where I'll be, uh, you know, on any given weekend. I can be home. I can do a game at Red Bull, which is not far, uh, one day, and then two days later have to fly to, to Los Angeles to, to referee an LAFC game. Um, so, again, there's that, that, that travel is always going to be there and it's always going to require. we ha- And we have – our group of referees is spread out, just like the teams are across the entire country and into Canada. So there is – I'd say that the guys that might have it a little bit easier are the guys that are central to the country, the guys that, that live in Texas, Minnesota. Uh, they're, they have a little bit of shorter flights either way, east or west. Um, but nonetheless, it's still requiring – uh, long hours of travel uh, and it's you know the body the body takes a beating after a while
1: no it really does um, just out of curiosity and just to go back to the first day of the picketing in Manhattan um, there was a video out while you and your fellow officials were uh, protesting during your lockout or being locked out, I should say, uh, there were soccer fans in a uh, Jeep or in an SUV, and they actually were holding their own yellow cards and red cards. They found some whistles blowing it, going up the street, uh, supporting you. What does it mean for you when soccer fans are supporting your cause not just that display, but also on social media, where everyone is supporting all of you and your fellow officials, trying to get that fair deal done.
2: Yeah, no, it's, 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 it's humbling and, and, and motivating to see that we're, we're not just always looked at as the, as the villains on the field, you know? You know, it's so easy to get caught up in the emotion of, oh, the referee this, the referee that. And, you know, we're used to that every single match we step on the field. Uh, we're generally not going to have the approval or the support like this of, of everyone there. However, um, this has been a showing of, of how people can really see that we're officials, but we're, we're more importantly, we're, pe- we're people trying to make a living.
0: Uh,
2: and, and then the support of, of what you saw. There was, there was a, an SUV full of an entire family. Of a referee, and when I tell you the entire family it was the entire immediate and some of the extended family that was all jam packed into that SUV, with their jerseys, with their whistles, with their flags, with their signs, and to me, that was a show of what this is all about. All right, each one of us referees has a family, and 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 for some of us, and for, you know, for a good part of us, this. This is what brings the food to the table. All right, so that household kind of is, is supported by, by this referee salad. But that, that household, those kids, uh, those family members sacrifice not having their referee at home for important days, for birthdays, for holidays sometimes because we're out doing what we love and sacrificing our family time to, be on, uh, to, take, to take this profession. Alright, so when when you saw that right there and to me that personified what it means to every single referee, this is who it's for. So see them there was 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 amazing. Was amazing.
1: I am glad to hear that uh because you know we want to see you guys back on the field as quickly as possible. We know it's kind of tricky these days uh, obviously cuz with VAR being implemented, you know that's a very important cog in what you do because obviously if you're not the center official, you'll be the fourth official, but if you're not the fourth official, you may be sent to go do VAR in the central area in uh, downtown Atlanta, wherever it's located, uh, the VAR room. But still, though, uh, we really hope you guys can get back out there as soon as possible. Um, You know, if I can ask you this, since VAR has been implemented, what is your thoughts on it? Has it been a positive or has it been some form of negative? What is it from a referee's point of view with the VAR?
2: I don't know. I, th- I think that if you ask most referees, this, is, this tool has been uh, beneficial to the game. Uh, the worst feeling as a referee, I can tell you from experience, is, is coming off the field, uh, knowing that you left something out there, that you got a big decision, a game-changing decision, incorrect. And this is what VAR is for. It's there to help correct these major decisions so that even if we do make a mistake, which is going to happen from time to time, all right, uh, the VAR system is there to rectify. And then at the end of the day, whether I mess it up live, I got a chance to get it right. And ultimately that's what I want as a referee. I just want to get it right. That's what the players want. That's what the fans want. They want the final outcome to be correct. All right. Sometimes it takes a little bit of awkward time. You know that's what people don't like. You know the delays. Sometimes they still disagree with the calls. But I mean, that hey, that's the nature of the fan. They're, they're not always gonna. There's one one fan's gonna be happy, and the other fan is always not gonna like it. But but that's the game. But for for referees, VAR has been beneficial.
1: What. Has, what is it like uh, with your president of your union, Peter Manikowski, uh, standing strong with you guys, making sure that, you know, what you get is a fair wage and a fair contract through pro referees and MLS?
2: Oh, man. Peter Peter has been, has been great. Um, I, I actually personally know Peter, and I know that he's been fighting this fight since the inception, since the very first CBA. So he he is one of us. He's a recently retired referee from a few seasons ago. So he came off the field and focused uh, uh, solely on on, on labor law just because of everything that he learned uh, these negotiations. And now uh, we, we voted him into representatives and who better to lead us in that way than someone that, one, has been in the trenches with us on the soccer field and, two, has been one of the main uh persons uh in the negotiating ever since our our union was formed. So we I mean we're all we're all we're all very happy and glad to have have Peter and we have zero doubt that he will always be there to to fight this fight with us.
1: No, that's great to hear and I'm very glad that uh he's uh doing his job and uh, hopefully like I said before already uh that good things are gonna happen once this whole situation ends. Um, yeah. what, what else have you been told? Oh, actually, let me ask you this. Um, what have you heard from former referees that have worked – Major League Soccer games since uh, you know when the league got started in 1996. I know Brian Hall is a former uh, American soccer referee uh, who has who has been doing all of this and uh, in in the league's inception. Have you heard from former referees that are no longer officiating, giving you a call, giving you pep talks? What have they've done?
2: Oh yeah, oh yeah. Uh, it, it, it's actually uh it's very encouraging uh hearing from from some of these gentlemen um remember that all of the guys that are around in the early days even just from, from 2014 from the first collective bargaining agreement from PSRA um are no longer they're they're, they're now retired some long retired uh 5 10 years ago but uh they they're still they're still number one fans just because they've retired off the field doesn't mean that they're not referees uh, we we regularly stay in communication. Um, I stay in contact with a few in, in more of a mental role, um, you know, when things are going good. But more importantly, when things are not so good, uh, we'll, we'll, we'll chime in. But we've gotten calls. We've gotten FaceTimes on the picket line. I do know that our, some of our past uh, members have, have been calling, have been donating, have been doing whatever they can to, to help support what they started.
1: Of course, um, former uh, head of Pro at the time, uh, Howard Webb, of course, well-famed English referee, now is back. He's been back in England for a while, trying to help his uh, referees implement, you know, being implementing with VAR and, and make them better. Has he contacted you as well in your uh, union to say stay strong as well? Uh,
2: uh, well, I don't have a direct communication with him since he's uh, gone, and I'm sure he's got his handfuls. A handful uh, over in England, but um, I I would not be even able to say yes or no um, if he's contacted any any of our uh, negotiating committee or or board members. As I'm not part of uh, any of those groups, um, I'm I'm literally just a, a, another member uh, trying to 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 fight this fight as as the group.
1: Nope, absolutely understandable. Um, you know, he's very busy right now, currently with what's going on in the Premier League season, obviously. So, but I thought maybe he'd give you a quick shout here and there to see what's going on. If he's probably following the the news of the day over there, what's going on over here. So I wouldn't, I wouldn't
2: would be, be surprised if he's in, in contact with some with with some of our more senior guys that might have a closer relationship.
1: <laughs> yeah, very very true. Um, you know, with the time we have remaining, uh, just wanted to just keep asking uh you know all of this and you know it, it it's really it's it's really interesting to see the situations that you know you and your fellow colleagues have to go through just so Uh, hopefully can get back out there in our stadiums in Major League Soccer and, uh, you know, get back out there to officiate and do everything. And what do you think the players are thinking of right now with, you know, not seeing familiar faces and having to go and seeing other these new replacement officials who are not usually in MLS? They're probably doing collegiate soccer or amateur league soccer, maybe even AYSO. What do you think they're thinking at this point in time? Yeah, so
2: one one of the things that uh, is really important
1: and and
2: helps us as our careers uh, go along is is all of the, you know, every time they see a new face, it's going to be an unfamiliar face. You almost don't know what you're going to get. This happens for, this even happens to some of our new referees that are in pro, all right, but there's a, a majority of the group of referees have, have several years of experience, some up to 20 years of experience. So over the, the course of that time, the guys that have been here in this league start to kind of build some type of rapport, all right? And that goes a long way when we step on the field and guys are familiar with you. They start calling you by name. They start, they see a familiar face. You get that smile of confidence. All right, obviously there's no open line of communication before games or anything like that, but as the game goes on, you know, a little small talk here, hey, how's the family doing there? Any work environment, I think, goes a very, very long way. It it gives you a little bit of confidence to know that, you know, I like to say this is my fifth season. So by now, a lot of the players, uh, the veteran players in the MLS, should know what to expect from me. All right, I I kind of set you know for first couple of years I I'm, I'm laying the ground of, of what my career should be, but with the players as I see them more often, a couple of times during the season and over the years, they 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 know what kind of referee I am, they know what my personality is, they know what they're gonna get, they're gonna they're gonna get open communication, and I think that that is a, a relieving and confident feeling from them walking on the field. They may or may not like my decisions at the time but at least we have a rapport uh, in where they can talk and and we can go back and forth that way. Uh, There's just so many unknowns and uncertainties when when you find somebody or you get on the field and you don't know who the referee is going to be or what surprises uh, of of decisions you're going to get. And that causes frustrations. That that causes frustrations. I know that from experience, but, again, I, I, I don't know what the players are thinking right now but that that's that's pretty much what I can share on that um uh, based on my personal experience.
1: Good. oh I just want to Hello? say Guido thank you for I'm right here. I'm right here. Um uh, yeah. I just wanted hey. to say thank you very much for uh, for being on and you know look uh, we're all rooting for you to uh, get on the field, get back on the field. Hopefully, the, you know, the, an agreement will come. Uh, hope that everything uh, will be right or will be right for you and your, your colleagues. And uh, I just want to say thank you, for, thank you very much for joining me tonight and uh, spending the time and uh, we're just wishing you, the, you and your colleagues the best of luck and hopefully an agreement can be reached. Thank you.
2: Thank you very much for having me. I really appreciate that.
1: You're very welcome, and have a good night. Thank you so much. Thank you. Have a good one. Thank you. That is Guido Gonzalez Jr., as he is a member of the Union for our Professional Referees, the PSRAs, as uh, they're still looking for an agreement with Pro and MLS to get back on the pitch. Joining me right now from Bad Dog Sports' website JJ J. Pavlik and the reason why JJ is joining me tonight he is a former referee himself in this wonderful game of soccer football whatever you want to call it and you know now is he's an outsider technically uh really he is but still though uh want to get his insights on this JJ J., welcome to the show thank you for joining me I hope you're well and how are you
0: I'm doing okay Dan I actually just got off the phone with our friend Anthony so I don't know <laughs> It's <laughs> been, been a whirlwind here. Found out I'm going to uh, Philly tomorrow, so you know.
1: <laughs> yep. Well, enjoy but, the trip. Uh, That's all I can say.
0: Oh yeah. Yeah, you know.
1: <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I know. Believe me, I do. So, I mean, you know, now that you're on the outside of this situation, and I know you still know some of the referees that are a part of this lockout at the moment mm-hmm. uh, by pro and major league soccer, your personal beliefs and your personal feelings, what's going on with you and, and, and how terrible has this been since the start of the season?
0: The good thing this time around is a lot of the referees saw the writing on the wall and started preparing four years ago for this day. Um, Cause they were around for the 2014 disaster. Um, unfortunately some of the new guys didn't want to heed the wisdom of the older referees in preparing for it and they're in a rougher shape. Um, but for the most part, most of these guys are set to where they can hold the line and stick to their guns until they get what they deserve, um and return to the game. Hopefully after what we saw in opening weekend, we see them sooner than later. Um, I'm not sure how and depth you and Guido got. Uh last I had heard from my conversations with all three sides is that they will sit down on Wednesday. Um some of these referees are hoping that the sit down goes well. By Friday they have a proposal in front of them. By Sunday it's all voted on and they're back for week three uh week two uh week three of the season. Um that's the hope. Let's see what happens. You know, um All three sides are starting to get quieter, which might be a good thing because before they were all three very, very vocal. Um, I think this opening weekend may have opened up some eyes onto why they're really, really needed. Um, We've all seen some of those calls. Um, No one likes to see them, but unfortunately they happened, and hopefully we can get the guys that we're accustomed to and who know this game and make this game and this league as good as it is back on the line.
1: No, very true. I mean, uh, we just have to hope that every, you know, cooler heads and calmer heads do prevail, and that they can hammer out a uh, an answer here, and uh, that everyone's happy with. Um, you know, I know mm-hmm. you were there with jo- Jonathan Tannenwald from the mm-hmm. Philadelphia Inquirer, Sean McCaffrey from uh, Soccer Long Island Magazine, mm-hmm. during the uh, the protesting at the picket line just in front of Major League Soccer's uh, office building. Uh, what was that like, and uh, seeing all of this unfold in front of you? Uh,
0: outside of the cold weather, which it would have been nicer if it was warmer in New York, um, it was honestly, it was great to see they were all unified. Um, what was an even more positive thing to see is that other unions in New York City, including the NYPD, are standing with them, supporting them in their fight against MLS slash pro. Um, to get their fair wages. You had bus drivers going by honking their horns in support, sanitation. Like, they had the city's, the city basically had their back. Day two, you saw that grow even more. You saw just random people on the street. Oh, yeah, I saw you at an MLS game. You did a great job. What happened to you? Where'd you go? You know, and they held up the signs along with the referees and protested with the referees. For the fair wages, some of them talked with the other referees to find out what their jobs were like, what life is like. Like it was nice to see fans actually care about this group of guys who do put in the hard work. They are athletes themselves. It's one of the few sports where a referee has to be almost as athletic, if not more athletic, than the athlete actually competing. And that's not a knock on hockey or any of the others. It's just because of the way the sport is, you know. Um, we got some good sound soundbites. Uh, Tenenwald did a great job reporting on it. You know, we tried to get the story out there as much as we could. Unfortunately, none of us could be there for day three due to other obligations with soccer and youth soccer and stuff. But, you know, I'm hoping the message was received and hoping that we, this Wednesday, we hear good news, you know.
1: No, absolutely. I mean, look. I, I mean, it, the season's kicked off. Uh, we've seen some questionable officiating uh, decisions in some of these matches. <laughs> Not every one of them were that bad, but you know, there were still some questionable ones out there. But uh, Mm -hmm. for yourself personally, you know, I know you've told me some some pretty cool stories, but still, though, uh, I just want to say that uh, let's just hope this agreement does uh, get hammered out and let them get back out there as quickly as possible. And, uh, you know, there's no more uh, interference with this whole situation. What did you have to do as a referee to prepare yourself for matches, whether it be on the professional level, uh, the amateur level or the uh, youth level?
0: I was more with the amateur side of the pro. Um, I never did get to do the MLS games. It was ambition, unfortunately. Other plans were in the works that prevented that. Um, But the training is the same, whether it's an amateur game or a pro game. You're talking long sprints. There are fitness tests that have to be met. They start at grade seven, which is, about as high as you can go as a youth referee, and then you start going into state, regional, national. So the fitness tests just get more and more demanding. I always held myself as the highest standard. Um, I'm not going to say names, but you are well aware of some of the referees that mentored me, and they're all in the pro game here in MLS. So I was training as if I was going to go do a match with them. So you're talking maybe on Monday we go to the gym, lift heavy weights, Monday afternoon, we're off on the track doing 20, 30 laps around the track. uh, Soft sprints, full dead-on sprints, just like you're chasing down messy 80 yards towards goal because you have to be able to keep up with it. Um, Tuesday, we might be watching videos, looking at games that were played, seeing different things that appeared um, in the amateur level. And even the youth level, like, I liked to know the teams I had. We would get our schedules in advance. I would learn about those clubs, their style of play, how they like to move the ball, because the last thing you want to do as a referee is have the ball hit you and stop a play. The best way of knowing to be out of that is to know what's going on in front of you. Um, That's another side of the game that doesn't really get looked at by these referees from the fans' view. You know, um, they really... You really have to do a lot. Uh, Wednesdays, we'd start focusing, toning in the diet. If we got a game coming up in two days, start the carb load. Um, Our diets are pretty much pretty strict. Um, You're pretty much eating like an athlete's diet. You do your protein consumption. You do your high grains, high carbs. You're back in the gym. And then you travel. Whether it's a short flight, a short car ride, a short bus ride, there's always some kind of travel involved. Sometimes you're going cross-country, which can be hectic, especially when you have to fly and you're in economy. Um, I know our friends had spoken about it on other trips where, look, I'm 6'5". You put me in a middle seat, it's like being in a tuna can. And now you want me to get out there and run for 90 to 120 minutes? Not fun, you know? Um, but you know, there, there's always good things about it. Uh, the Federation is starting to step up the referee training. It's been long overdue. Hopefully it continues and continues to get better. Um, I'd still like to see some things worked on to help the younger referees. Um, we now have more referees mentoring the younger referees. So hopefully that'll help with the supply. Um, just this past weekend, I, did a bunch of games with one of the referees that we both know very well uh, from New York. Um, He was out there, he was mentoring kids left and right. You know, if they made a mistake, he just walked up to them, just politely corrected them, taught them what should have been done instead, and they became better referees for it. And hopefully we continue to see this and see this kind of training progress and get better as we learn more and more about fitness.
1: you know I'm currently on x uh, twitter of course uh, and uh, the, i'm following the psr officials uh, twitter account and uh, they just posted this up saying referees are required to spend more than 50 days a year at officiating training camps that is amazing i i, can, I do not i cannot believe they got to spend 50 days a year at training camps Uh, as you know for officiating helping them learning and and staying in shape and all that stuff and you know it's just amazing what they have to go through
0: yeah and that's on top of the normal training that they have to do as referees because like, like we just discussed although these guys do do the pro games they also do the youth, the amateur like some of these MLS referees are actually doing U8 games not because they have to but because of their simple love of the game and they want to see the game grow. And you'll see, like you'll see guys just stop a U eight game and be like helping the kids actually understand what they're seeing on the field. Um, I had done a game with one where it was a U 11 game and this kid kept making the same mistake. His coach wasn't correcting him. And me and this other referee, we literally stopped the game. We went up to the kid, we showed him what he was doing wrong, helped explain what it was that constantly caused the turnover and for the first time ever, a parent came up and goes, thank you. No one's ever taken the time to do that. Like you would think this would be normal, but it's not. And it's kind of sad because winnings become more important than the players actually progressing. So hopefully this will be a tide of a, of a turn where we start seeing more help given to the kids, whether it be by an official, a coach, even the parents just realizing kids out there they're doing something that they love let them do it stop the shoot stop the pass chance like just let them play and have fun and um, you know it's the same with the referees I've seen 12 year olds get ridiculed for missing an offside call they're 12 years old like cut them some slack they're still learning little unknown fact is you have to be at least 12 to start through the referee courses So these 12-year-olds can be a day out of course, two days out of course, a week out of course, like, and they're getting bombarded by parents because their child lost a U10 soccer game, one nothing, because they messed up an sides call. Like, that's extreme, you know. So it's going to take everybody working together to fix that problem, but hopefully now that we're seeing what's going on with the referees at the pro level, and they're being more humanized, and people are getting a better understanding of what they do and what their commitment is, hopefully we see a change in the other sides of the game.
1: Absolutely. No, I agree with you there. And, you know, obviously, you know, the last time there was a, you know, form of a lockout uh, or strike, uh, and that was a lockout back in 2014, it mm-hmm. was only two weeks where um, – we saw the replacement referees get used uh, in MLS games. And hopefully that's the same thing here. It'll be just, you know, this, this past weekend, next weekend, and then hopefully the third week of the season, they'll be back in ready to go. Um, do you feel this has been more of a, uh, a a bigger moment for these officials since 2014? Because at the time it was under U.S. soccer. Now this is under... MLS as it's running the pro-referee department?
0: I, I think it's a bigger moment, yes, due to that. And also, this is the first time where MLS doesn't have referees just a few steps down below what they had doing these games. The draw they had and what they have now is drastically different. And it's not a knock on these referees. They weren't asked to be put in this situation. They weren't trained for the situation. These were referees doing Division three soccer games, Division two soccer games, low Division one soccer games, grassroots games, which is usually considered U15 and under. Some that were doing U16 to U23s. Uh, you don't have that same crop that you did in 2014 where – If it did go a few more weeks, okay. Okay. Now, you really don't want this at all on too much longer. Um, Like I said, you you do have some referees coming from overseas that are pros, but they're third division, fourth division, fifth division referees. Um, Different game. Different speed. Some have handled it well, like we've admitted, and others have not. Um, I'm not going to call out those scenes that happen, we've all seen them, we all know what they were, it is what it is, and hopefully we don't have to see much more of it. Um, but, yeah, you know, it's just, it's, it's a tough spot this time around, given, you know, you don't have that fallback, and a lot's on the line. Like, the referees are definitely the lowest paid in this country, and along with a lot of other countries in Division One competition, never would think that you would have to say that in the United States, but it's the sad truth, you know? Um, hopefully they get their fair wages. Hopefully they get their fair travel. Um, they're not asking to be treated like the players at all. I don't know where that rumor came from or started from, but it needs to be squashed. They are not asking for the same thing the players get. They just want to be paid a fair wage and to be treated travel-wise pretty much like human beings. Which shouldn't be too much of an ask, you know? Yep, I agree.
1: Absolutely. I absolutely agree. And uh, that has to be – this this has to be remedied. They have to get back out there, and they have to go and and, and do their job. I mean, without a doubt, I agree with you wholeheartedly, JJ. It's got to be done a proper way, and hopefully it will be very, very soon um, when they'll get – we don't we really need to get those guys back out there and get them back out there as quickly as possible, that's without a doubt yeah.
0: absolutely yep,
1: absolutely so listen JJ, thanks a lot for joining me tonight. I really appreciate it. hope to have you back on again soon. We'll talk uh rebels. Uh, somewhere down the road, and uh, other things in MLS and uh, U.S. soccer. But listen, thanks again for joining me and giving us your side of this situation. That you are no longer even uh, an official, but still, though, we, you know, I wanted your, uh, your 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 two cents on this. Thank you.
0: Absolutely, you're welcome, Dan.
1: All right, J.J. Pavlik from Bad Dog Sports uh, on his end of the. Uh, referee lockout situation and uh, we'll just see what's going on here and hopefully they will be able to get back out on the pitch hopefully by the third round the third week of the MLS season so let's see what happens there and now time as we all know to recap the New York Red Bulls nil-nil draw against Nashville yes they dominated yes they were the better team yes it's amazing what happens when you bring over a talent like Emil Forsberg from Red Bull Salzburg, excuse me, Red Bull Leipzig, uh, and he comes in to the New York Rebels Bulls and MLS, and wow, the, everything was like night and day. It was night and day, my God, the midfield sizzled, the attackers got the ball. They were put into perfect positions to take shots. And even though they didn't score, and listen, Joe Willis is a damn good keeper. That's what we all have to understand. He was in perfect position. There's nothing they could have done. Um, They were unlucky, unfortunately. And, of course, they hit the woodwork three times, twice off the bar, once off the post. But still, though. That is what you want to see this Red Bulls team do. And now that he is the captain of the club and the captaincy has been taken away from Sean Davis and – I mean, excuse me, from uh, Sean Nealis. then, you know, look, um, look, I, I think Sean Nealis did a good job as a captain, but who knows? Maybe he wasn't ready to take on the captain's R-band. And Sandro Schwarz wanted someone with plenty of experience to take over the captaincy and so he gave it over to Emil Forsberg but he also made Sean Niels and Carlos Coronel vice captain so if Forsberg is out due to injury due to suspension of a red card or international play whatever then it would go next to probably Coronel and then it would go to uh Niles if both Forsberg and Coronel are out due to international duty or injury so we'll see what happens there but you know I have no problems at all with the uh, first 90 minutes of the season uh, like I said they should have won that, that was their game they, they dominated the majority of the game I would say 85 to 90% of the game they dominated there was that little spurt that Nashville had but they didn't convert and of course big save by Carlos Coronel once again Emil Forsberg, big, big change. And you know what else was also a big, big change? Noah Ellie going in as the center back instead of Andreas Reyes. That's a big change on the back line. Big change as well. And look, as much as I like Andreas Reyes, the truth is once in a while he will play a stupid center back display for no reasons because he'll get an, you know, a needless yellow. Sometimes he'll get a straight red, needless as well. Or he'll cough up a penalty for no reason. The truth is, Noah Ellie is 10 times better in his first match than, than Andreas Reyes in these last two seasons. He can score goals on set pieces, that's fine. But his defending has been suspect here and there. Noah Ellie, brilliant. Especially the looping ball he gave Dante von Zier. And Von Zier beat Joe Willis and flicked the ball to the goal. Sadly, it hit the inside of the post and out. And Red Bulls once again just couldn't do anything. A mile, a long distance rip, uh, nails the crossbar and out. Uh Emil Forsberg on the free kick just couldn't get that ball to descend lower under the crossbar because he definitely beat Joe Willis and unfortunately nailed the bar and out. Woodwork getting getting abused in Nashville. And even though you can say Nashville got lucky that they only got a point, the truth is it should have been 2-0, two, 3-0 two nil, nil for the Red Bulls, and they should have gotten all three points. But this is what you're expecting from the Red Bulls all season long. Now, I know you guys want to see more strikers come in, more players come in. The summer, excuse me, the winter transfer window is still open until April 23rd. So there's still time for the Red Bulls to make a signing here. Still time until we get to the summer window. So there's still time for this club to make a signing Let's give Julian de Guzman a chance to make that happen, and we'll see what happens moving forward. Uh, I thought it was great to see uh, Lewis Morgan get back out there. I thought it was wonderful to see him get back out there. At least uh, almost 30 minutes worth to get back out there, 27 minutes. That was not bad. It was great to see him getting out there. Um, The one substitution I would question from Sandro Schwarz was putting in Mitchell when I thought maybe Julian Hall should have gone in there. But you know what? Look, uh, I'm not going to complain all the way here. It was still a very, very fantastic first 90 minutes of the season. Uh, would have loved to have seen... And welcome back uh, to the American Soccer gonna... Show. This
0: well,
1: is. Sorry about that. Uh, as I was saying before, uh, would have loved to have seen Julian Hall get out there. But look, they pick, put out Roald Mitchell... Out there and that's fine. We'll see what happens on that. But once again, ladies and gentlemen, this was an fantastic opening match. Fantastic first 90 minutes of the season. They attacked. They dominated. Should have won it, I know. But don't be discouraged and don't be disappointed. If this is what the season is going to be from here on out, expect great things this year. We'll have to wait and see down the road, but hopefully they will score goals uh, in their next match on the road at the Houston Dynamo. You can watch that once again on Apple TV's MLS Season Pass. I want to thank my guests tonight from PSRA Officials Union, from the officials uh, running the Laws of the Game in MLS, Guido Gonzalez Jr., and of course I want to thank J.J. Pavlik from Bad Dog Sports joining me tonight my name is Daniel Feuerstein thank you very much for listening to me tonight I hope you enjoyed the show and join me this Friday night reviewing the second leg of the first round for the MLS clubs in the CONCACAF Champions Cup review show once again have a good evening take care so long and as always please enjoy your football thank you take care so long and have a great night take care have a good night everybody